0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. All right. Welcome back to the run dot down post game show here on the Strickland YouTube channel. And if you are listening to this after the day after, it's the Strickland Podcast Network, Nick's win in difficult fashion once again. Um 112, 108. I mean, no matter what, the Knicks, they're gonna make sure that you're watching till the very last minute. That's one thing for sure. Um, I mean Knicks, they I mean, I will I'll start here. They, the fourth quarter they came out with all the right energy. I mean, IQ was on one, um, just scoring at will, easily getting a bunch of and ones. Um, Knicks were getting out in transition. You know, things were flowing. It looked like the Knicks were going to have, like, you know, a fun win where, like, they kind of cruise to at least, like, a double-digit win. Here comes Chris Stapps Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma, and there's the game. I mean, they scored 32 in that last quarter. Um, and we end, up, we end up, you know, getting by 112-108. I mean, the miscues and the the mistakes and the bad luck of this team at the end of games is just remarkable to say the least i'll say that but i mean hey we win we are you know
1: i'd just like to say one thing there because like as me and you are both so process over results people Mm -hmm. they are there is a lot of luck factor to all these threes that get hit at the end of the game but I do think it's important to note that the Knicks put themselves in positions to get unlucky some of the time, like they're, it's not like they're executing perfectly and then, Oh God, like these Hail Marys are going in. Like, yes, we, we do see Hail Marys go in sometimes, but the Knicks are not executing close to optimally down the stretch of these games. And they're putting themselves in position to get unlucky.
0: (coughs) For sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think we can start with, Jalen Brunson, once again, another thirty-point game, thirty-four, eight and eight. Um, I mean, he's really, you know, making a case for that All Star All Star bid. Um, I mean, he picked it up right at the perfect time. Um, the three-point shooting's been, you know, pretty consistent as of late too. Um, he's also he's averaged about like what thirty-three points per game in since. The new year started basically. So, I mean, he's been ridiculous. I mean, his last six games are 34 and 8, 8 and 8, 34, 3, and 4, 44 7, and 4, 26, 5, and 8, 38, 7, and 6, 24, 4, and 6. I mean, that's not an all-star. I don't know what is. Um, but yeah, he's making a pretty strong case for it right now. And yeah i mean what what more can you say i mean definitely surpassing <laughs> surpassing the contract right now oh yeah, yeah. um and i yeah. mean what,
1: what what would you say like at least three of our four best players are like crushing their contracts mitch brunson and randall are outperforming their contracts hugely and like this isn't rj shade but like there's nothing that we've seen from our RJ this year that you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's that contract's dead in the water. Like he's been up and down. But the point is, is that we have a bunch of good money on the books. Uh, to your point about Brunson, like just, we're just bl- like, the Knicks are just blowing these contracts out of the water.
0: For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, Jalen Brunson, you know, he got things rolling and like, the second and third quarters, they were really his quarters where he kind of, he really put his mark on the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been dominant. He's been, you know, he, he's he been what, you know, you want from an, a point guard that, you know, you expect to be your all-star point guard, your, um, your leader on the court, like, he's doing it all, so...
1: Yeah, he, uh, I mean, definitely an all-star. You still want him to run the offense a bit more. Like, I, I know it's nitpicky, but when you're as good as he is, it's okay to be nitpicky. And, I mean, I started keeping track because I'm psychotic. Neither Grimes or RJ touched the basketball for the first four minutes of the third quarter. Like, not like had a play run for them, not shot the ball, I'm saying the ball literally did not hit their hands on the offensive side of the court and Mitch it only touched his hands because he got an offensive rebound. Like I get it. I get that Brunson and Randall are the team's two best players, but you don't see, you know, the warriors out there just running. Like even when they had Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, they weren't just out there running Steph KD pick and rolls. You know, it was, They knew the best way to win a basketball game was to be more democratic and to run team offense. And yeah, we might be giving ourselves a slightly better chance of winning a game in January, but this team ceiling will raise if everybody is locked in and everybody is at their best going forward. And the way to get everybody at their best is to get everyone involved.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm 1000% with you there. Um, Definitely getting guys involved just like prepares them, even for like stuff like prepares them for playoffs. I mean, like this team, the way they're projected, it looks like they're probably going to be a playoff team. If guys aren't used to, you know, getting some type of rhythm in game, when it comes to playoff time and they're, they're like needed to like be a release valve for guys like Brunson and, and Randall when they're getting doubled, are they going to be as prepared as we want them to be? Because, they didn't get the the reps that, you know, the reps and the rhythm in game that they should have. Um, But yeah, it's all, it's all stuff to think about.
1: And the funny thing is there is I think that's why Tibbs has been leaning on quickly more because Mm. I think that he, he trusts quickly more than RJ and more than Grimes, like to go a few minutes without touching the ball and to stay ready. I think that's a big part of his trusting quickly. Like he has all the reason in the world to trust quickly. And like tonight, tonight was maybe the best Tibbs game of the entire season that I was thinking about it. Like so many things that I, I, you still don't love the offense down the stretch. You still don't love like the the wild minutes. Um, But like we were talking about it before we hopped on, you know, like Brunson playing 40 minutes is kind of defensible tonight because Deuce just doesn't have it. And like, Tibbs we can ask Tibbs to you know change some small things but you can't ask him to change his DNA he's gonna go out there and he's gonna try to win this game and he just didn't think Deuce gave him a chance of winning this game and he played Brunson the first 12 minutes of the third played him the first few minutes of the fourth and then got a comfortable lead and was like okay we'll try to get Deuce back out there we'll try to see how that goes and then bam five points given up immediately and like It's unreasonable to ask Tibbs to just sit on his hands and be like, I'm going to not care about winning this game because Brunson needs to play 38 minutes instead of 40. That's crazy. Um, But as far as good things Tibbs did, you know, in the first quarter, he staggered the threesome of Grimes, RJ, and Quickly. He brought Quickly in for Grimes. And then when it was time for Grimes to come back in, he brought him in for RJ and at the end of the first half, you had quickly played 16 minutes, Grimes played 16 minutes, and RJ played 16 minutes. I'm pretty sure it was almost exactly even. Now, the optimal endpoint is for quickly to play 16 minutes and a half without it being 16 consecutive minutes. That is the optimal endpoint. And I'm not sure if quickly playing two 16 minute shifts every night for the rest of the season is sustainable, but. It's a start. It, it is a start to get a bench guy 30 plus minutes in a natural way. I can't. I really think this was the best Tibbs game from a rotation standpoint that I can remember. You know, he let Obi stay out there a little bit longer, even when that lamp was struggling. Um, what did Obi have with like 14 minutes, 12 minutes, 12 oh, minutes. Um, that number <laughs> easily be higher if he just flip flopped Obi and if he just flip flopped his his shift with Hardenstein's. It's not hard. Obi and Randall would be a viable front court, especially when the opposing center is a stretch five, like Porzingis, Porzingis. Um, there's ways to go, but I, nothing Tibbs did tonight bothered me. And I hope, you know, we can at least have a night of peace from that, that side of the conversation, you know, like, and we can just talk about basketball.
0: Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have that much of a problem with him at least right now. Um, quickly, let's talk about Quickly. Um, I mean, to have a point guard tandem of, you know, Brunson and Quickly, um, it's really special for us. You know, Knicks fans have been long awaiting the days of having good point guard, good consistent point guard play. And here we are with at least, I would say, looks like 48 minutes of good point guard play between Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel Quickly. Um, I mean, Emmanuel Quickly really made his mark in that the beginning of that fourth quarter where he um he was just oh he just opened up the lead for the knicks and he was the reason why they were um they were up so so much to even begin that fourth quarter i mean he had the two and ones um he was getting to the paint at will honestly um and you know he was taking advantage of transition opportunities and you know it's all things that we we love to see as knicks fans Our team do um and we love to see you man we'll quickly do it um but yeah he had a great game um as usual on both ends I think and yeah
1: yeah I would argue or not argue because you're right that the the stretch start the fourth was great I would throw in that stretch to open his his game when he came in because that start to the game was so sluggish on both ends. Yeah. And then, and this is another point in Tibbs' favor, in my opinion, because Unseld made a really good move, in my opinion. The game started out really sluggish, and Unseld put in uh, Rui Achimura and Danny Avdia, and he pulled Kuzma and he pulled Gafford. Now, this may have just seemed like an, a simple substitution, but what it did is it moved KP to the five. So he wasn't just making a sub, he was changing. He was adjusting to the information in front of him and changing their scheme, which as Knicks fans is probably just a foreign concept. Like we never see that. They immediately go on a 5-0 run that KP spearheads. And Tibbs immediately counters with quickly. And no, Tibbs isn't changing the outlook of the game. Or excuse me, he's not changing the scheme, but he is adjusting to information and making a change based on it. And quickly came to the game and the Knicks go on a 12-0 run immediately. Um, quickly gets that rebound, pushes the pace, sees Randall in transition, boom, layup, quickly hits a three, boom. His He's just – I mean, what else is there to say about this guy? He's just so good on both ends of the court. Like, I know his shot is inconsistent, but – and Grimes is a little bit the same, by the way. Grimes is two for ten tonight. But, like, can you think of a single thing – I mean, besides maybe passing up a shot that Grimes did that killed you, he's always moving – He's always in the right spots. Like this is why the lineup data always likes these guys because even on the nights when they don't have it, if you're dependent on absolute output to contribute to your team, you're not a good basketball player. That is like what I'm realizing about basketball because nobody has it for 82 games. You have to have the things that you can control night in and night out. You have to have energy. You have to have high IQ connectivity good defense these things there's no variance to those things you can throw those things out there night and night out if you want to if you're good at it and quickly and grimes are guys who 82 games of the season are going to give you those things so the floor is so high when they're on the court because even when shots aren't falling even when you get a dumb turnover or two you still get the overall winning basketball that these two provide and yeah, it's it's really nice on, a, on nights like tonight when quickly gets some silly shots to fall, a couple and ones that maybe don't fall on other nights. So his stat line looks a little bit better. But I promise you, from a process standpoint and from an overall... What he brings to the game standpoint, this game really wasn't that much different than some of his bad games. He's just always bringing this kind of stuff. And that's why he's such a good player. And that's why... Me and you have loved him for you know pretty much since he's first put on a, put on a Nick uniform.
0: <coughs> for sure, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um Also, I'm like dying, so try to <laughs> kind of keep my words to a minimum.
1: Don't worry, um, I'm uh, I'm pretty talkative, so I'm sure people are sick of me me <laughs> me going on, <laughs> and on already, So, but
0: um, but yeah, I mean, I mean the other. Parts of this game I guess we can talk about um, before we get into comments are, you know, the other three starters or the other four starters. Because we only talk about Brunson as a starter, but um, Grimes, he was, as you said, he was two for ten. You know, he's always active. So, you know, that's something that, you know, like you said, even when he's not even when the shots aren't falling, you as you grouped him in, in quickly um grimes is the same way i mean defensively he's still bringing you stuff um and you know he's still um grimes is always still attacking the rim as well so you know there's always that mitch had a rough game today um the foul trouble Um, I don't know what it what it is what really was it today that like really got him in trouble with the fouls I mean that last one of those last fouls that he got where like Porzingis was like doing all these fakes and Mitch kind of stood there that was a bad call I think in my opinion that was like the one time where Mitch actually played some good defense and you know um actually let me not say the one time he played some good defense because he had some crazy blocks in the first half. I'll say that. That.
1: Uh, that one recovery was so nasty. That was just man, he's so I mean I I won't lump Mitch in the quickly Grimes thing because he's a little bit more inconsistent with his process. Um and we saw it tonight. I mean, he's always gonna struggle with like a guy like Porzingis at the five. Um, that's just always gonna be an issue for him because Tibbs has basically instilled in him that like you're our defensive anchor if we're losing at the point of the attack you have to save us and so like we can kind of try to mitigate that and you see us when we do it well we have the uh the guys on the outside they sort of hedge to make to to prevent the the center who's picking popping from just catching shooting cleanly but still Mitch ends up in no man's land a lot and I think that's just hard for him um but he's still, you know, like you said, he had a couple blocks. Um, and how many offensive rebounds he had it felt like a lot. Yeah, he had five offensive rebounds and three blocks. Like, yeah, he was in foul trouble. And I mean, his his minutes weren't just the super positive they, they've been all season. But five offensive rebounds and three blocks. I don't know. I'm not going to kill him for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't felt that much today because, you know, we're not playing. Like Porzingis was absolutely ass until he started like lighting it up in the fourth quarter, um. So it really didn't hurt us that much that um Mitch was in foul trouble. Also, it helped that Hartenstein wasn't completely ass on defense today. So you know that helped as well. He had a couple good defensive possessions, um, today. He still can't make a layup. I don't know what's up with that, but yeah, I won't talk about Hartenstein that much because he's not really worth talking about that much
1: he had a fine game
0: he's yeah he had an okay game
1: he's just he just is what he is at this point you know like he he's gonna get killed he's gonna kill you on the offensive glass I would be I would love to go back and look the war the Wizards had the Wizards had 12 offensive rebounds I would bet at least eight of them came with Hardenstein on the court like he's just he just isn't good at that I don't for lack of a better word he's just not good at protecting the defensive glass or the rim which is the weirdest part about the whole thing like you can't claim to care about that and then just keep going to Hardenstein because he looks the part he's not the part they're getting to the rim at will and they're get and they're getting offensive rebounds at will when he's on the court in fact I'll look it up but I, I mean he we're just so bad at Defensive rebounding when he's on the court. Um, it's just you either if you're gonna keep playing Hardenstein, then you have to flip his rotation with Obi to at least try to unlock the best version of Obi that we saw at the start of this season, the end of last season. And if you're dead set on the center, the true center who can protect the rim and rebound, then you just go to Sims. Like you have to go to Sims at some point because yeah, Sims isn't perfect, but he's closer to Mitch than Hartenstein is. I mean, and if that's all you're looking for, just go to Sims.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like he's trying to shoehorn. Um, he's trying to fit a, a round a, a, a round piece. No, he's trying to fit a square piece in a round. around, he's trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, with Hartenstein trying to make him be like Nerland's Noel. Like slash Mitch Robinson-esque. And it's just, that's not who he is. But also, like, I mean, like, Hartenstein is who he is. You're not going to change him. And Hartenstein looks like he's trying his best to adjust to the new and world like, that he's in. That's that's such a good point, too. Like, because
1: you almost feel bad for the guy. Like, because you saw it tonight. You saw how into it he gets. Like, I, and I know they're NBA players and they're getting paid a lot. Like, woohoo! he cares. But, like he's not just like caring because he's getting paid. You can tell he wants to be good for this team. And like, he just, the truth of the matter is, is that Tibbs isn't going to let him do what made him excel for the Clippers last season. That's oh, not going to be a thing. Yeah. So it I mean, was his, his assist percentage is like a fifth of what it was last season or something. It's insane. Like, I think it was like 25% last season if I had to guess. I think I think his assist percentage for the Clippers last year was 25% when he was on, um yeah, when he was on the Clippers last season. I think it's 5% this season. Yeah, so
0: it that is like 5.1%.
1: Yep, 5.3% this season. 20 uh, 20%, 20%. So a quarter of what it was last season. That's not like regression. <laughs> That's not a player getting worse. That's just you're just a totally different player. And then his true shooting percentage, the last last season, it was sixty six percent. Okay, maybe that was a bit of a myriad, but this season it's fifty three percent, worst of any Nick in the rotation. Wow. I mean, what, is he taking worse shots? I, I mean, no. He he's just not getting the good looks he was last season because his role is totally different. Um, and this is by no means a defensive Hardenstein. This is not me saying like, oh, poor Hardenstein, because. He is an NBA player who's being asked to do stuff that's not that hard, or excuse me, it is hard, but he should be able to do it. He should be able to box out. He should be able to get rebounds. He should be able to protect the rim. He should be able to
0: make a layup. He
1: should be able to make a layup. Like Yeah, exactly. And he's not doing those things. So, you know, per usual with most things, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B.
0: Yeah. Um, As we said before, you know, we thought Randall... Um, he had a pretty okay game today. I mean, he had that, you know, foul on the three pointer that, you know, a lot of people are gonna remember. And, you know, especially if we had lost that game, that would have been a really hard sticking point. Thankfully we were able to, you know, win it. I mean, he also missed that free throw. That would have also been like really killer if we lost the game. Um, thankfully we didn't lose. He had 23 and 16. On eight of nineteen from the field, hit a big three um, down the stretch. Um, he also had a, a block down the stretch as well.
1: I want to say about that block. Uh, I meant to tweet something about it, but I didn't. Go back and watch that block. Anyone who's listening, that was an unbelievable effort from Randall, and like maybe a play he doesn't make last season because he doesn't even bother getting back on defense. That was quickly though. Like, quickly baited Wright into – so, first of all, if you watch quickly when Wright is around the three-point line, quickly takes a step forward and then takes a step back, just baiting him into making the wrong decision. So, Wright gets a little bit more methodical. He slows down and then quickly slides with him, slows him down even more, doesn't foul, and all of this allowed Randall to recover. Those couple of seconds that quickly – saved before the layup was about to be made were everything on that play that's just another example of what a winning player he is he's just he's he's an amazing player and yeah i just i'm I'm sorry to interrupt you but i thought that was important to point out about that play great play by randall but very very great play by quickly to 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 keep him from scoring immediately
0: yeah so i mean despite you know randall not you know having the most eye-popping game i mean he's still killing it on the boards um and
1: and he's doing sam what me and you bitched about him not doing last year i would argue that many more of his rebounds this year are contested he's still not boxing out the way you'd like to see him but he's battling in there
0: yeah yeah he definitely is um rj uh this game was a little you know meh for rj um offensively he was all right, you know, 17 points, 7 for 13 from the field. Didn't seem like he was really forcing anything. Um defensively is where, you know, his game was really bad, I would say.
1: That was the worst defensive game of the season for RJ. That and I don't and like and I'm including the games when he was like sick and stuff. That was horrible. It was everything we asked him to do, he couldn't do. I any, pick something. Just pick anything. We put him on Kuzma. Kuzma burned him every single time. We put him on Kispert. He got lost off the ball every single time we put him on Kispert. If you ask him to get over a screen, he died over every single screen. If you ask him to close out and contest, he closed out with his hand down. If he's in transition, he's just standing there with his arms by his side, letting people skate by him. There was 20-plus defensive possessions where he just like almost mailed it in. It was... I'm not out on RJ at all. Like I love RJ, but it's games like this that really scare you because you need, he he's not going to be James Harden. I'm sorry, guys. He's not going to be James Harden like that. I can say that with utter confidence that he's not going to be that level of offensive player for RJ to be what we want him to be. He doesn't have to be an elite defender, but he has to compete every night. He can't be Harden on defense and then be like, even if he amps up his offense a little bit, he can't be hard on defense with, like, <coughs> like above-average good offense. He has to be – if he's going to, you know, settle into a good to great offensive player, he has to be an average to above-average defender. And tonight was not close to that.
0: Yeah. All right. Before we get into comments, it is almost It's time for everyone's favorite part of these shows. Everyone's part that they just, you know, (laughs) skip through during the...
1: Sam, I had a uh, same-game parlay tonight that came down to RJ scoring 20-plus. Hit every other leg. RJ couldn't couldn't put the ball in the basket.
0: Wow. Yeah, I had him for 20 in a parlay, too. (coughs) 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 You know... those rough beats
1: and like as you know last night was oh yeah as bad as it gets so
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i know how it goes i gotta check my slips and see which ones i lost by one leg today once again (laughs) Um, NFL playoff pitcher is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good. Why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 and free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes or show description for details. <coughs> All right. Time to get some comments all right this is a good one this kind of addresses what you were saying earlier um jeff do you want to read that one while i cough (laughs) brian benjamin said is Obi the only person who moves at the ball i'm watching
1: jalen brunson dribble around going nowhere in the second quarter and everyone is just watching um good comment brian because we definitely have the most stagnant offense in the league and it's not close i would put quickly and grimes in there i think they're elite movers without the basketball and I think we know that because they're showcasing it in an offense that asks them to stand and be pretty stagnant for the most part but if there's ever a time to flash into the middle when the paint is open they always take advantage there's ever a time to relocate from the corner to the top of the key or from corner to corner opposite any small shift or relocation or flash to the middle these two guys will make it so I agree with you that our offense is way too stagnant. Um, I think that's what the coach wants it to be. So I'm not sure it's going to change, but I do think that we have a couple more movers off the ball aside from Obi. I do, but I do agree that Obi is a good one. Um, And it's just another example of how he's been misused because coach wants him to stand in the corner. Like, that's not, that's not why you draft Obi Toppin to do. Uh, He's not, he's not that player. And like the fact that he has tricked people into thinking that he sort of could be that player is a credit to him and shows how skilled he is. Like the fact that he's worked out a 15 minute a night role as a corner three point shooter and like put up good impact stats every season of his career for two and a half seasons. Maybe if we did the thing that the, if we, schemed to the stuff that he's actually naturally good at like imagine what he would look like then um and i'm like this isn't me you know going on some trade randall start ob rant this is just like plan 20 minutes a night and run some freaking pick and rolls with him as the the screener and like try try to do something that's not just read and react with everyone standing around
0: yeah it's it's so odd to me that like we have these two great point guards you know this great point guard tandem between you know jb and iq and like we still can't figure out a way to you know run some like pick and rolls for obi to get them like a quick like four to six points a night like what happened to you know all those plays we ran i mean that first game of last year it seems like we, we ran so much more stuff for obi um versus the celtics and like even like those games versus the Magic, like all those games that Taj and Nerlens Noel were out for in the beginning of last year, it seems like we ran so much more stuff for Obi, and like now it's like what he can like not get anything done for him. Like, I mean, look at like what he like did. Dibs forget like what he did at the end of last season. I know like everyone likes to say like he played against like teams benches, but like he was a key factor in that Miami win. That Toronto game where he dropped 42, I mean, the only key players that were out were Siakam and Fred. Like, they had still OG, Scotty Barnes. Like, the rest of their whole playoff rotation was still playing. So it's like, I don't understand where, like, these 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 ideas and these thoughts come from with Obi. Like, he's able to put up, like, good numbers versus actual... And just be
1: effective.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, the numbers don't lie. I mean, no matter how much, you know fans want to like ignore his impact or whatever when he's actually being utilized. But like you said, it's a credit to him and how good he is. They still able to carve out a role being something that he was totally not coming into the league. I mean, like he was like looked at as like the high flyer, the highlight guy. Um, And, you know, he has done his fair share of that in New York, but like, he's also been like thrust into this, like be Steve Novak now because you had a hot start to the season. Like, that's what these become essentially.
1: Yeah, uh, two things I have to say cuz I thought you killed it. So I'm just going to be quick. Um, one regarding plays, remember in that Celtics game we ran that we ran that double screen and roll where Obi and Randall both screened and then Randall popped and Obi rolled and you shocker, you made the defense think about two different things. So like and one opened up and and Obi got that lob over the top. Well, you have to defenses are too smart these days. This is in the nineties. Like I know there's people who are like, Oh, the nineties is the peak. No, you can't just run one simple action. And then the defense is going to like fall asleep They're This is as prepared and as efficient as defense, not to mention athletic and like fast and strong. This is as good as defenses have ever been. And you ha- you can't just say, Oh, well, I run a read and react offense. So we need a single guy to get into the paint and start the scramble because there's like five guys who can do that in the whole league consistently. So if your offensive scheme is reliant on having one of the five best players in basketball, that's not an offensive scheme. I could do that. I could sit on the sidelines and be like, well, I mean, I know it's not working right now, but you know, if I had LeBron, this would look mighty good. No, like you have to scheme to the players you have. Jalen Brunson and Randall are good players, but we have other good players that require more ball and man, more ball and man movement to thrive. Um, And it's really hurting some of our role players. And we talked about this last game, but this creates a domino effect because these guys struggle in this stagnant system. And then Tibbs says, rightfully, Oh shit. Well, we're not going to win with these guys on the court. So got to go back to the starters. And it might not hurt us tonight. It might not hurt us Sunday. But eventually all these minutes, they're gonna add up. And it's gonna it's I promise you it's gonna have a cascading effect. Whether it's fatigue or an injury, down the line, somebody
0: can, you know playoffs.
1: Yeah, somebody can tag this right now. And I promise you, they'll be able to say, Oh man, Jeff, Jeff and Sam were talking about this on January thirteenth. You know, like this is part of the problem. Run an offense that allows more than two people to thrive. And I promise you, your problems will start to thin out because, you know, I, I hear people who defend, God, I can't believe I'm talking about Tibbs again. I said I wasn't gonna do this, but I hear people who defend Tibbs say, well, he wants to lean on his starters and he, he, you're not gonna win that way unless you have, you know, Derrick Rose MVP, not gonna win that way. This team's strength is its depth. This team's strength is its versatility. I promise you, you won't have to lean on... You don't don't build your team for only Brunson and Randall to thrive. Because what you're going to end up doing is you're going to end up overtaxing them. You build your team so that that the role players can thrive. So that you can trust them in these games so that Randall and Brunson don't have to play 40 minutes for you to beat a team like the Wizards without Bradley Beal. That is how you have the most long-term success. And I'm sure some people think i sound like an asshole because i've never coached in the nba but i feel very strongly about this and confident in it
0: i mean just watch other teams in the league and how they manage this type of stuff exactly all right let's see what other comments we got um,
1: drama in the comments tonight. I see some people battling.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got a battle between like Severinx, Severinx and Ace Bouchard, and I'll you know I'll address some parts of it very soon.
1: I appreciate the passion.
0: Yeah, um, on a night where we won, by the way, yeah. not even a loss. Imagine a loss.
1: <laughs> um,
0: but R and R says was watching the game partially. Was Kuzma cooking because we didn't have a bigger wing to throw on him? um i mean it it seemed like the knicks threw multiple options at him but like kuzma just had it going like he was just able to get to the rim a ton um that's usually kuzma's bread and butter just get into the basket a bunch um but yeah we we had those times where rj was on him those possessions where grimes was on him there were possessions where um randall was on him like they they threw a whole bunch of different options at him and he still was able to you know do his thing So. You know, kudos to, to Kuzma.
1: He didn't cook against Grimes. Yeah, and I honestly, I would have gone quickly on him in the fourth quarter. I know there's a huge size advantage. I don't care. Quickly, first of all, quickly's long, and I, I, I mean, Kuzma's not gonna bully him. He's gonna he's gonna see the size advantage. He's gonna try to shoot over him. That's what Kuzma does. And guess what? You know, if if quickly stays in front of Kuzma, doesn't let him get to the basket. And Kuzma hits a bunch of jumpers and you give up points that way. Sometimes you just got to let him beat you. Um, what RJ was doing was unacceptable. We do, we, look, Kuzma's a great player. That's a, that's a fine. That's a fair point by you, Sam, but RJ is supposed to be that guy. And if it's not going to be RJ, just put Randall on him. Like, honestly, I, I, if I'm Tibbs at this point, I understand the psychology of Julius Randall. And I I get that Randall gets up for this kind of stuff. And if Tibbs just said to Randall, like, dude, Kuzma, who's like, some might say in your tier, even though Randall's been better for sure, he's got 35 right now, and he's cooking us, and you're the guy I trust to guard him on an island. I mean, I don't know about you, Sam, but I wouldn't have any doubt in Randall like taking on that assignment and taking it seriously, at least.
0: Um... Yeah. I mean, I mean, if he's locked in, I don't have, I don't, I don't think that, you know, he'll have any issues with Kuzma.
1: And he locks in for that stuff. That is like, like you saw it to open the game. He was locked in on staff. Staffs missed his first five shots all with Randall on him. And that's why Unselled went to staffs at the five KP didn't really start making shots until he was able to stretch the floor against Mitch. And Mitch was kind of in no man's land. But like, if you do the nearest defender shot numbers, Every time Randall was on steps, I mean, I bet his field percent was horrible tonight against Randall. Um, and the other thing is something me and you talk about all the time. Randall is the closest thing, even with Brunson. Randall is the closest thing this team has to a star. He gets away with contact more than any player on this team. He They, they let him play around the rim. Now, he had that friggin' – I know that sounds dumb because he had that stupid foul on a three-pointer – But that was like clear contact to the midsection, really obvious. I'm saying like when they're banging around the basket, you know, Randall gets away with more contact than like quickly or any of the other role players around around the hoop. And that's another reason to put Randall on a guy like Kuzma because it keeps him off the line a little bit.
0: Definitely. Um, All right. Let's see if I can address some of this battle going on um (laughs) sorry
1: sorry severin i that's the last of tips i promise (laughs)
0: um so they're arguing about randall at first and they talk about deuce um so he says deuce is fine where he is he's learning maybe you should worry about obi and not deuce i mean with obi obi's coming back from injury so like it's going to take him a while to get back into rhythm. And it's also hard to get into rhythm when you're playing the minutes that he plays. So there's that with OB um, with Deuce. Deuce has been in the rotation for quite some time now. Um, He's been really on and off a lot of off more than on offensively, defensively. He does what he can at his size. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not worried about Obi. I don't see a reason to be worried about Obi.
1: Well, I see what he's saying. Like he's basically saying that Deuce because of his defense, Deuce is going to give you guaranteed there there's a there's a higher baseline of production from Deuce. I think that's what he's trying to say. Um I worry about Obi not in like a vacuum as a player, I worry about how he's going to provide value to this team in this role because like, it's just clear how misused he is. Um, And that's fine. I, I agree that with Deuce and Obi, both mostly playing off the ball, not really initiating any possessions, not really getting any offense that isn't catch and shoot or catch and attack. You could even make the argument that Deuce is like, More impactful right now than Obi just because his defense is more impactful. Um, I just think that since Tibbs doesn't really stagger, um, and you know, Deuce plays a lot of his minutes with both Brunson and Randall on the bench, his offense looks worse and it looks more harmful than maybe it would be if he got to share the court with Randall for a few minutes. Um, So, and and that's going to, that's going to stick out to a guy like Tibbs who just, you know, he just wants, like I said earlier, he wants to win every game. And that's, that's what makes him great. Uh, But I, I don't know. I, I, I tweeted earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if we make a trade for, you know, a guard slash wing who can provide a little bit more offensive spark off the bench, even if it's sacrificing in some defense.
0: I.e. a Gary Trent Jr. or such. Right. Um, Severance also says um it's very stupid to blame Thibs. We're top ten in every category. Um, you know, basically Given that whole spiel, looks like Severance is a Thibs believer. Um, I will say I think the Knicks are performing in spite of Thibs, not because of Thibs um you can see down the stretch of games um they're really bad in the margins when it comes to the margins like that um it really comes down to coaching and coaching like coaching gets teams prepared to you know perform within those margins so that way they get those tough wins the knicks do not get those a lot of these tough wins as we've seen a bunch this year already so I think that comes down to coaching so I do I do think although the Knicks appear very successful and they have the profile of a of a contender they are clearly not one mainly due to you know obviously not having you know top end star talent I mean that's kind of mitigated by the fact that we have like a lot of depth um but like it's like there's mismanagement of the depth and that comes down on coaching and like, you know, all the late game stuff that's also on coaching as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it's in spite of Thibs that they're top 10 in a lot of categories rather than it's because of Thibs.
1: I'm going to half agree with you. I don't think that, I don't think the Knicks have like an overwhelming amount of defensive talent. I think they've got quickly Grimes and Mitch. That's mm-hmm. like the defensive talent that Tibbs is for the third year in a row, you know, top 10 in defense has the next top 10 in defense. Clearly there's two things. It's the schemes he draws up every night, which, you know, neither of us know a thing about, and it's his ability to get the maximum effort out of his guys. Like we should never underrate his ability to do that. Cause it's now three years in a row, you know, like, and the Knicks were a top four defense last year if you exclude the Kemba minutes. I think maybe even top two. So I, I don't think that there's anything preventative about Tibbs' defensive scheme. Is it perfect? No. I mean, his 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 need to have the weak side defender get two feet in the paint, like we saw Fournier, you know, against the Bucks. Um, Oof, that that, 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 that's That's unnecessary sometimes. But whatever, like, I mean... Shit, I couldn't throw together a perfect close to a perfect defense. So, what the hell am I going to, you know? He's doing a great job like on that side of the ball. I would push back a little bit on, not a little bit, I would push back on offense though, because yeah, we're top 10 in offense. But to me, that says that the talent, the offensive talent should be better because I I would defy anybody to tell me what our offensive scheme even is. It's just read and react. We set a high ball screen 95% of the time down the court. And we ask people to create advantages. They're basically just playing pick ball out there with a single screen. There aren't plays. We run Spain pick and roll. We don't even run Spain pick and roll anymore. Barely. Um, we run, uh, we run the pistol action for RJ, you know, two or three times a night, but there's really no scheme uh, offensive, offensive scheme. So, I, I mean, I didn't want to talk about this, but the question was asked. So whatever. So, um, so yeah, we're top. We're, we're I mean, the Knicks are top ten in offense, but I I would be surprised if any you know higher up intelligent basketball person would be like, oh, it must be Tibbs' schemes and not the talent. And I would also be surprised if you found someone who said if you incorporated more ball movement, more man movement, more off the ball screens and stuff like that, they wouldn't be better. So, uh, I I half agree with Severance. I I think the defense, Tibbs, will always deserve credit for putting together defenses. But I don't think the offense, the the top 10 offense, can be just credited to Tibbs. And I think that, like Sam said, he is restrictive in certain ways.
0: Very much so. Um, Jordan Bubb says... This team lacks the experience of closeout and killing off their opponents early. And it's cost us many games this season. Um, and the last one, but with Brunson in the fold, was this supposed to be another comment after that? Um, I don't know. But um yeah, I mean the team does lack experience with um with closing out games with you know handling pressure in those moments. Luckily tonight, we were able to, you know, once again, get away unscathed. That's like two straight games that we're like having to like claw away after like building ourselves a pretty substantial lead with um, time to go. So, you know, it is a little bit concerning that, you know, and it's not even against like really good teams. It's against like the Pacers who are like right in our tier or at least they're in our tier only due to record, but I think our talent out out outmatches their talent. Um, And with the wizards, I mean, they're without Bradley Beal and, you know, that's, that's a lot for them. So, you know, the fact that we're like having to crawl or claw away from these games, like partially scathed, it's, you know, a little bit concerning. So, you know, we'll see how they, continue to handle it. I mean, we're halfway through the year, so it's like... How much more time could you possibly be waiting to see what happens with this team? But, yeah.
1: I know people want to talk about coaching with that, but tonight it wasn't...
0: Yeah, tonight was just like... It was like guys just getting hot. Nearly on the players, yeah. You know, KP getting hot from three. Kyle Kuzma starting to heat up towards the end of the game. He ended up with like 40 points tonight. You know, it's just... You know, it's just a classic case of, you know, guys, you know, lighting up the Knicks. Simple as that.
1: Yeah. Um, And I thought we got mostly good offensive looks. Quickly missed a wide open corner three. Grimes missed an open top of the three key. Like, I mean, the thing is, is that, and and this is going to sound so hypocritical because I just spent five minutes, you know, complaining about it. The read and react offense is going to work more against worst teams like worst defense is because they have less capacity to stay in front of a guy like Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, even with a sort of simplistic offense down the stretch they're they're creating fine looks. And uh you were talking about earlier, Randall and he hit a big three and he had that block. I also thought that layup he had over Kuzma where he probably got fouled was maybe the biggest shot of the game. Um That was awesome. Randall is so bizarre, man, because I mean, last year he did none of the intangible things. Right. And he was all, all of his stats just felt like almost fake. They didn't feel, and obviously the efficiency was bad. And this year, you know, he's shooting like 33, 34% from three. He's not like lighting it up efficient wise, but this is like the third game in a row where I feel like he just hit the biggest shots of the game. And you know what? Sign me up for that player. You know, like if if you're going to have a guy who gets back on defense, shit, man, there was a play where Rui made a layup in transition where Randall thought he got fouled on offense. And he, you actually, I, I would love to clip it because you actually see him in real time start to argue with the ref and then realize like, oh shit, I shouldn't be arguing with the ref and like bolt back on defense. And he actually got back in front of Rui and Rui still made a tough layup. And I just started cracking up. Cause I was like, man, he's like, act, like this is him like trying to change his DNA because he was so close to just not even bothering and like just yelling at the ref. And I mean, Randall's never going to be a perfect player, but it, I don't think we can ask much more than him just doing his best at the little things. And tonight was another game. You know, he didn't get in Randall. He didn't get in runs his way down the stretch. He tried defensively. He fought against Porzingis. He made helpful plays. He fought for rebounds. And when Brunson got blitzed and Randall, finally it was his time to call his own number. He hit what I just said was the biggest shot of the game. So I'm just going to keep saying it because I was as big a critic of Randall as anyone. I made a whole freaking thread about all of his defensive lapses in a single game. Kudos to that guy, man for rejuvenating himself and for buying into a totally different role and kudos to Tibbs for recognizing what randall had to do how he had to change because if you look at randall's shot diet that is everything this year like i just said he's only shooting 33 34 from three but it's the amount of threes he's taking and the amount of shots he's taking at the rim that that's why his true shooting percentage is close to 60 percent because he's not taking as many of those mid-range jumpers anymore and you can't control the shots going in when you shoot them from 15 feet, but you can't control where you shoot the shots from. And Randall is doing a great job of controlling where he shoots the shots from. And that's on Randall for buying into a new role with Jalen Brunson as the lead guard. And that's on Thibodeau for incorporating a game plan into him and giving him an off season assignment. Like, Hey, you've got to improve your shot diet. And he did it. So that's awesome stuff. It's awesome for the Knicks and it's awesome for them individually.
0: Definitely. Oh, man. All right. Um, JL says Brunson averaging 35 on 53, 48, 89 over his last five games. That is like 2013 mellow shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been really fun to have a guy, you know, especially at the guard position to like be able to like, just score at will. It seems at this point, um, like, you see the way the game started it was very nasty it's like there's no way jalen brunson's hitting the 30 point mark again and then here you go in the fourth quarter it's like this post fadeaway shot and you know there, there was a tweet i saw i forgot who it was from um if i can pull it up but they like they were just like talking about like his footwork and the way he's able to like be so crafty and maneuver himself and doing all of that at his size is just like so remarkable that you know, you never expected someone of that size and like te- and someone that doesn't have any athleticism really or like is not like a freak athlete at that size to like yeah. have the star profile that he's developed into. Here it is from Jonathan Wasserman. So he's Jalen Brunson averaging thirty three point three points per game in twenty 23- three in twenty twenty three defies traditional laws of 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 upside that suggest athleticism fuels star p- potential. Not sure JB could hop over a deep puddle. Gonna have my kids study Brunson's patience, counters, touch shots, and demeanor.
1: Yeah, I mean that's he's he's a great scorer, man. And you know, we're such process-oriented people. The best thing about Brunson's output and his process is just how sustainable it is. He's not he's not even like, I don't want to say Steph Curry because what Steph Curry does clearly is sustainable, but like he's not shooting these high variance threes all the time. He's shooting shots that he's going to make his median is very uh, reliable.
0: Pull-ups in good. transition, you know, shots off screens. Well, stuff I'll like say that. he's
1: not, he's not quickly. He's not what quickly was 20 games ago. Like we love quickly, but there's a reason that quickly one game would go four for 12 and then another game goes six for seven. It's because of the types of shots he was taking. He was, he wasn't getting to the rim as much. Uh, he wasn't getting to his floater as much. He's shooting a lot of high difficult threes and those are good shots, but they're also volatile shots. Jalen Brunson is the opposite of that as a score. Um, and the Knicks need that. Like if the Knicks aren't going to be a great shooting team and they're not really going to run much offense, they need a guy who can just get a bucket. That's like as, as, as simplistic as that sounds, Brunson is like exactly what they needed and that's why he's so valuable uh to this team.
0: Definitely. And it's just been a lot of fun. I mean to yeah. have someone, you know, that could just score at will like this. Um and you know, it's so reliable like you trust the ball in their hands at the end of games like for Knicks fans this is huge because like we haven't had someone like this since Melo really like even when Julius was at his best. Down the stretch, I was terrified of him having the ball in his hands because I didn't know how he was going to handle the pressure of one taking the big shot and two, like handling the defensive pressure of you know double teams in that position. Um with Jalen Brunson, I, I I I pretty much trust him to you know make the right decision almost every single time. I mean, even when he takes a tough shot, it's like it's like barely rimming out at this point with like late in-game stuff.
1: And with Tibbs going to quickly at the end of games, which like, man, he wanted Grimes back in there for defense. He pulled RJ. Yeah. I like, saw
0: it, that. It, it,
1: it, I think, I think quickly is just Tibbs' guy, man. Like as crazy as that sounds, because like what we were bitching about all of last season with him refusing to start him, which like everyone should agree was ridiculous. Like, I think, I think Tibbs is finally, like, man, this guy, like, he's fought through the quicks, pun intended, he's fought through the quicksand, and he's still here. He's still, like, he he's basically, first of all, he's basically Tibbs on the court defensively. You ever, like, have you noticed that Tibbs quickly doesn't shut the hell up on defense? He's always pointing and yelling at, at people and telling people where to be, and, like, he's basically a general on the, on the court defensively. Um. And now, like, in these moments, like you were just saying about Brunson, when they blitz Brunson, we have Randall, you know, to get the close to as the close release valve. But we also have quickly in right right there to get the ball. And I I think we should trust him and even Grimes, you know, in those spots. I I really like that Tibbs went to Grimes when Kuzma started to pick it up late. And I really like that he kept quickly out there because – As good as our starting lineup is, and as good as, like... I mean, RJ's good, and as good as we want... Even better as we want him to be. That Brunson, Quickly, Grimes, Randall, Mitch lineup is freaking good, too. And so that, that lineup needs minutes.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we have here. Um... Wow, you know, Ace and Severinks. They you know they really keep going at it. Um, let me see. We have comment from Virgil X. Will next coach use Obi and Hart better? That this is my argument for not being too down on Hart. Tibbs ain't going to be here next season. <sighs>
1: yeah, things no, that's might right. be
0: that's,
1: different that's not right. next season. Tibbs Tibbs is gonna outlast Hartenstein in New York, and I'd bet.
0: That, that's- yeah i i i i if i'm a betting man am i most definitely am a betting man i'd bet for sure that hartenstein is gone like even by the trade deadline i think like like i think this this team they could they realize that you know he's not really working here like I yeah think- and
1: like he only has a two-year deal does he have a team contract i forget or is it just a straight two-year deal
0: I think it's a straight two year deal. I could be wrong though.
1: So whatever, like first of all, he's not going to be in the rotation. I I shouldn't say not. I'd be very surprised and almost like impressed like because that means he probably turned it around or the mix are just incredibly stubborn, but regardless, I would be very impressed if he was still in the rotation for through for the longevity of his contract. And I think that first of all, we'll look to trade him like you said. But even if we don't trade him, uh, Hardenstein is going to realize that as long as Tibbs is here, they're not going to run the type of offense that suits him or that like he can even contribute in, which is like that's fine. I think we'll part amicably and, um But as far as Obi goes, uh, uh, man, I, I hate to say this, um, but if you're a Patreon member and you read our articles, you know I don't think Obi's outlasting Tibbs in New York either. I, I don't, I don't know how, if he's long for this franchise.
0: Yeah. I mean, the writing seems to be on the wall. Well, not, not necessarily, but like, you know, like I, like a lot of people anticipated once we went on that A game win streak that bought Tibbs all of this year and probably the beginning of next year. Like he's, pretty safe especially if the team gets into the playoffs which they probably will Dibs is is going to be safe next year um and the way the team keeps using him i mean he was this team's first lottery pick i mean this french this 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 regime's first lottery pick um if they can't utilize him the best way possible here they're probably going to look to like see what value they can get for him um, in the offseason, um, whether that be you know through the draft and you know trading up and trading up or down with him, so you know that's that's where I see things going for him at least. I mean, because like we're using we're not even utilizing him to his strengths, um, but yeah,
1: yeah, it's really a struggle for me, and honestly, it's on it's not it's not just on the scheme, it's on. Uh, Schwinn just posted about it, and I agree with him. It's on quickly, and it's on RJ with that second unit to get Obi more involved. Um, I mean, you know we both believe in quickly as a distributor and more so as a connector, but they they have to understand that Obi needs to get his feet wet and he needs to get a feel for the game. And uh, it can't just be like... I mean, this is reverting to early midway through last season when Obi would go, you know, two, three minutes without touching the ball and then catch it in the corner. And, I mean, at least he's not hesitant. At least he's not – I mean, at least – He's letting it fly. Yeah. He's letting it fly, and he's been cold recently. But, like, I I said this last season, and, like, it remains true. It's so funny because when a guy like Obi Toppin, who spent his whole life – his whole basketball life until the NBA being the primary focus on any basketball court. He stepped on, he touched the ball whenever he wanted to he played major minutes, whenever he wanted to, to ask him to go out there and stand in the corner and shoot once every three minutes. is It's not a shock that his efficiency numbers are volatile. That's not surprising at all. And what do you know? Obi's efficiency numbers the last 15 games of the last season it wasn't because the competition was bad it wasn't because it was random it was because he was playing 25 plus minutes every night and he was a focal point of the offense shooting 10 to 15 times a game that's how basketball works um and I, I just I, I think that obi I'm not trying to give him out like it's on, like I said with Martinstein earlier, it's on obi to make it work but two things can be true at once we're not we're just not using them to the best of his capabilities and that's that's just a fact of the matter
0: yeah all right let's start talking about next game so next game is on sunday 1 p.m oh that's interesting um at detroit um, Knicks are 9-2 and two in their last 11 road games. Best road team in the league, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going on the road versus a bad team, the expectation is to win. To win comfortably. To maintain that comfort throughout the whole game. Um, but yeah, 1pm at Detroit against the 12-34 and 34 Detroit Pistons nicks should win this game they should win it comfortably i mean the game plan should be like just come out and put your foot on their neck to start the game like i really don't know how other well other way to put it like this team they they, they know that they're better than detroit like we all know that they're better than detroit um so like the game plan should be simple just come out and you know be serious don't play with your food and You know, the game should be over by the third quarter.
1: I will say um, I like I like how Detroit's been playing recently. Yeah,
0: Um, they've been competitive.
1: Burks has been really good recently. Um, Boyan was doing well. I feel like he got hurt or something, but I think he's going to play Sunday. Killian, before his suspension, was playing the best basketball of his life. Um, Duran has pretty much locked in that center role. And Duren, I'll I'll be honest, Duren is the type of guy that uh, I made a prediction before the Pacers game that we would kill them, and I was always right. I'll make another prediction. We're going to be impressed by Jalen Duren when we we watch this game because, first of all, he's going to battle with Mitch on the inside. And, second of all, um, with the type of offense the Knicks run, the center – for the opposing team is put through it a lot. He's got to make decisions and Dern's going to make some mistakes, but if they let him switch on Brunson or quickly or RJ, I think we're going to be annoyingly impressed with how he holds up in terms of that ball defense uh, for an 18 year old kid. And that's the type of thing that, you know, can make this offense, you know, maybe look a little bit worse than it actually is. I do agree. I think we're going to win. Um, And I think we should win. But uh, I'm just saying, I I hope this team and I I don't want the fans to, you know, just totally sleep on Detroit because, you know, they're going to go out there and try to. And they've got a funny thing is, is that people always call for other teams to like tank and stuff. But and that's what kind of what the Pistons are doing, especially with Kate out but now you just have a bunch of guys who are like young and just going to try their absolute hardest, you know, like in a weird way, the Pistons are going to be getting better efforts with this rotation guys playing for their NBA careers, guy, young guys trying to show they belong as a part of rotations. The the Pistons are almost going to get better efforts now than they, you know, maybe would have gotten if they had a more veteran team who wasn't very good, you know, and who, who knew the writing was on the wall.
0: Yeah what do you make of guys like Burks and like guys like that playing for, you know, they're going to be either traded like halfway through the season or whatever. Like, like how, how do you think that impacts like a young team like that?
1: I mean, it can be, it can be shaky, but I feel like Burks and Boyan, first of all, it's not their first time around the block, you know, like Burks was, Burks was he was pretty much as good as gone from New York last season, you know, like everyone wanted him traded and they stuck around, but I think he's – they're professionals, they're going to play well, and he, you always hear from locker rooms how much the young guys – it just seems like the NBA is a really tight-knit community, and I can't imagine, you know, especially with a coach like Dwayne Casey, who is actually pretty similar to Tibbs, um, He de- but he definitely gets guys to play for him. He definitely garners respect. I think, I think you're going to see, you know, a hard-playing team – and guys who are just, you know, out there to, out there to beat the Knicks. Not to mention it's a revenge game for Burks and everybody believe everybody believes in the revenge game.
0: <laughs> for sure. I mean, there's there's no, there's no reason to not believe in the, in the revenge game. I mean, we <laughs> just saw poor try to attempt to like salvage his attempt at a, uh, at a revenge game in the fourth quarter today. Yeah. Um, and, you, and, yeah. You for,
1: and you forgot, you forgot who has, who's trying to get
0: the most revenge of all. Kevin Knox
1: he, it's it's his time for revenge
0: I mean there was a stretcher you know during the part of this season where he was like you know balling so yeah. you know
1: I think he's still a part of the rotation right
0: yeah I think it's just like due to injury though at this wow, point. Okay. or yeah because I think Cade is out so I think he just takes the spot in the rotation or something like that um let's
1: see they played they played tonight let's see how many minutes he played he played 17 minutes They were plus 10 in his minutes. He had seven, five, and one on three or four shooting. Eh,
0: Pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. Um,
1: We didn't even say New Noel. New Noel is starting for them. Oh, Dern's hurt. Okay, Dern and Stewart are hurt. Wow. Oh, wow. How did I not know Dern was hurt? I do DFS every night. That's just so bad.
0: So, I mean, that could be good for us if he's playing versus us. Isaiah Stewart's.
1: Yeah, I mean. You want Noel on the court. <laughs> we, we saw that last season. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, whenever he was on the court, the dude was, like, out with, you know, his plantar fasciitis.
1: God, so, so, somebody's gonna, like, clip that, and then Noel's gonna have eight blocks. I'm gonna look like an asshole.
0: <laughs> um, JL says we haven't lost to the business in a long time, so I wouldn't be surprised if they finally got one from us. Um... Yeah, maybe. I mean, the way we've been closing out games, you know, the way we've been playing late in games, you never know. It's always possible. But I'd say. I like I'll, our chances. I'll,
1: I'll be surprised. I think. I think that the best thing that we've learned about Tibbs is it's very rare that he doesn't. He he lets his guys just totally nap on a team, you know, and that yeah. and that's why it's so. Um, it sticks out so much when it does happen, you know, like the, the end of last season when that Blazers team didn't have Dame and we blow a 25 point lead to them. And then the thunder, we blow, you know, a big lead and have some questionable decisions down the stretch. Those are, those are the games that like Tibbs makes his career on. He, he doesn't let his teams be unprepared and be unmotivated. That's the best thing about it. Um, And then like Sam said, to start this, we're, we're just better on the road. Like, I don't know if we get more nervous in front of MSG or whatever, but there's just a, there seems to be a comfort on the road. Um, Randall said that road trips bring the team together. That was, that was one of my favorite Randall quotes of the whole season. Um, It was when we were struggling and like the Knicks won a game right before a road trip started and Randall was like the player of that game and Breen asked him about the upcoming road trip. And Randall said that he loves road trips because it's, you know, when teams become family and you want that for the team you root for, you know, like the one of the most fun things about that we hear season was how together everyone was, you know, and how everyone played for each other, everyone supported each other. So, you know, when you see stuff like RJ giving Randall that big chest bump after Randall posterizes Gafford and, you see everyone get hyped when quickly has the N one, you see the bench into it. Like, I don't know. It, it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth when you have guys like cam and Fournier who like, like Fournier has been such a good teammate. He's, he's still always psyched on the bench, but you know, he doesn't want to be here, you know? Um, and definitely cam. And that like, that stinks, you know, like that's, it's just hard as somebody rooting for their team. Um, I, I actually have a question for you. Do you think we were talking about deuce earlier? Do you think there's a chance that that Tibbs just goes to four, goes back to Fournier?
0: I'd hope not. <laughs> I'd hope not. I mean, like, what is he looking for with Fournier? Like, a uh, just like like someone that can hit a three maybe once in a while. Size, I mean,
1: size at the wing, so that quickly is the true point guard, the true, the smallest guy on that bench unit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and one more offensive valve. Um. So it's, it's very, not all it's
0: busted valve,
1: yeah. No, I agree. I'm just saying, like, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know how many more of these deuce performances Tibbs is gonna put up with because the, the, it was we're learning now. I forget who it was, I forget if it was Jeremy, if it was Chris, or it was somebody, but we're learning now that Deuce is in the rotation because of the front office. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like Tibbs, I know Tibbs loves him, I know Tibbs loves his defense, but it was the front office that encouraged him to make this move at the end of the day leon always says it tibbs has the final tibbs does have the final say
0: mm. and then,
1: you know a few more games like this from deuce and i i honestly could see him being like all right we're gonna try it and we're, we're gonna go back to him off the bench and see if that's better
0: i hope not because like if you put fournier in a rotation you can't have him playing with with hartenstein but that's where most of his minutes are gonna end up coming next to like that's just a tire fire situation right there defensively and yeah we don't need that um all right i think this is a good place to you know and things as i am partially falling asleep and my mm-hmm. voice is my voice is leaving me um shout you out to everyone that, what was that I, I was just gonna say you got some tv to watch <laughs> Hopefully if I can like stay up. Um, but yeah, um, shout out to everyone that tuned in. Shout out to everyone that left a comment. Um, shout out to Severinks and Ace Bouchard. Um, you know, going at it.
1: Yeah, we love um, the passion.
0: Yep, we do. Um, we'll be back on Sunday after the Knicks versus Pistons game. I'll probably be tuning into some Giants playoffs as that will probably be going on.
1: Let's get a uh, prediction. What do you think's happening, Giants, Minnesota.
0: Man, I want Giants to get the revenge because, you know, they beat us on like some BS field goal. Yeah. Um, We like we had them dead to rights in that game. Like we would have won if that game probably went to overtime, I think, in my opinion.
1: Like, aren't the Giants just a better team?
0: I mean, y- yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't trust the Vikings because it's like Kirk Cousins and
1: and because right. they they what were they they were like 12 and 0 in games decided by three points or less or something i'm pretty sure i'm gonna check now yeah um they outscored dude they were outscored this season they went 13 and 4 and had a point differential of minus three yeah that's impossible
0: <laughs> yeah they got really you know lucky i guess you can yeah. say especially against us with that like what was a 61 yard field goal like i think but i i hate the fact that so many people are on the giants like it's so
1: that's so funny that you say that man my friend said the same thing i texted him this morning and i asked him and he said everyone's on the giants it's gonna be a letdown game
0: i hate it because like it puts so much pressure on us and like now like if we lose like even though we're, we're like the underdog we still come out looking bad in, in a way yeah um
1: I, I will say I, I unless it's really bad I don't think the Giants can come out looking bad I think that first of all I think they're clearly a year ahead of schedule yeah definitely I, I think Dave all like maximized this team um and like their best receiver is Darius Slayton right now
0: and Isaiah
1: Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James like yeah Barkley's great um but I feel like the most likely outcome in a Vikings win is people say yeah we're a couple pieces the Giants are a couple pieces short let's trade for Hopkins trade for Iuke and let's you know keep improving with the young guys you know
0: yeah but, yeah, I mean, I'm always going to pick my Giants to win, even though, you know, some people are on them. Um, I like the, you know, revenge spot. I like the underdog spot. I like the, you know, you know, a lot of people liken this to, like, you know, the first Giants run um, in 08. So, you know, maybe we'll get some of that magic again. Um, we'll see. But, you know, I'll, I will be enjoying seeing the Giants in the playoffs. Um for the first time in what seven years
1: 2016 it was the uh so yeah it was the uh the Packers Hail Mary season yeah it, it was the uh god I remember that game like it was yesterday I'm not even a Giants fan but um the Giants completely outplayed the Packers in Lambeau it was the uh it was the Odell went to Mexico right and he dropped a touchdown that night and yeah so odell drops touchdown and but still the giants completely outplayed them in the first half and rogers just throws that hail mary at the end of the half and cobb catches it in the back of the end zone it's like the most deflating thing ever and then the Packers just rolled
0: yeah after that there was like no hope within the giants fans at least to my knowledge like for me and myself i felt like oh shit like yeah that's it we're done yeah but, yeah, I'm going to enjoy seeing them back in the playoffs. You know, it's going to be good to see all these young guys get some, you know, some burn, some playoff experience. And, you know, we'll see what happens there. And, we'll like,
1: you you trust, like, isn't it weird, like, how fast things change? But, like, I don't know about you, but, like, I trust Jones.
0: I do, too, yeah. He's like, been, I don't, don't think he's going to light it up,
1: but, like, I don't think he's going to kill the Giants either.
0: Yeah, he's been super reliable. Like, he just does what needs to be done, whether it be with his feet or, you know throwing the ball he's been super reliable so okay. yeah um so yeah hopefully you know we can i can watch a knicks win and a giants win on sunday um
1: what time is the game the knicks game on sunday
0: 1 p.m cool. the giants is at 4 30 so you know back to back um but yeah shout out to everyone that tuned in um definitely check out everything stricken related in the description we got links to the site merch patreon and twitter all great ways to support us we are also on instagram at the strict.land. check us out um give us a like and subscribe we're on our way to 1k subs so all that you do helps us out a ton hopefully we can talk about another next win on sunday peace out
1: thanks everyone